I'm Rebecca. I'm Hetty. And I'm Lucy. And we've been friends since the days of gel pens and Furbies. And this is The Thing About That, a podcast that challenges the everyday expectations of modern life and flips the bird at a one-size-fits-all approach to living. In this episode, we are going to offer what little inspiration and comfort we can on the wedding dress. How can we reclaim the image of the white gown and make it work for us and reflect our own uniqueness? Do you know what I was thinking of earlier? Mm. Was when we can all come together and do this in person. Would we still have the headphones? I quite like it. It's quite, oh, maybe not. Yeah, like know. a radio DJ in a DJ booth. It makes it more intimate. I think so. I think we'd have to turn the lights down low. Yeah, I feel more like a legit podcaster when I'm wearing the headphones. <laughs> Me too. What fabulous wedding-y marital topic are we going to delve into today? Okay, so it does feel a little bit absurd that we're going to be talking about a dress for 40 odd minutes, <laughs> but we wanted to have a chat about it because it is a huge part of a heap of people's wedding planning journey. There's Absolutely. super big decisions involved. There's mega exciting moments in finding that ultimate one outfit, but there can also be some really sticky bits too along the way. There's, as we all know, quite a set image of what a bride looks like traditionally. And I think that can really cause some people anxiety and a bit of fear over what they feel like they need to look like on the day and sort of ascribe to. So we thought well worth a bit of a chat. Absolutely. Yes. I'm actually really excited for this one because I think even though there are, as with so many aspects of weddings, so many little issues and thorns and things that make us feel a little bit uncomfortable, Mm. it's also super exciting. And I know that you two have landed on something (laughs) that you're excited by and I've obviously only just begun my journey but I know that it is possible to find something wonderful and I think it'll be a really lovely inspirational chat as well as to how you can achieve feeling really unique and comfortable and joyous and fabulous on your day even if you've got reservations. I yeah this is a good one. Hetz why don't you talk us through your thinking first because I know that you you've mentioned in passing this idea of you being an older woman in your white suit having a legal wedding. So what was your thought process going into planning your wedding? What had you landed on because of course you guys must have come to some fairly final decisions. We have and in fact our outfits are bought even though the wedding is now over a year away. But so I guess, look, taking it back to the original thought processes, there's obviously something that I was inevitably and very predictably going to find difficult about a white dress because of the symbology around white and purity and you're basically parceling up your your virginal prize. I think all of that for me, I was just inevitably going to find hard. That being said, uh, I was also struggling with the idea of not wearing white because I really like wearing white as a colour. <laughs> I wear it a lot. We are getting married in the south of France and I usually, if, if we were dressing up anyway, I would probably often wear white in that context. Mm-hmm. And I think another part of the, the the bridal thing and the discomfort goes to feeling 
too much the centre of attention, the idea of having a big dress, the idea of it being the only white dress, and thereby kind of, you know, the attraction of a lot of um, people's looks and and all the commentary that we have discussed on previous episodes around, you know, how attractive you look on the day or anything mm-hmm. else. So where we got to was that I would wear white um, because I felt comfortable in that colour, but I don't want to be the only person wearing white. Yeah. So Jacob is wearing white too. <laughs> and all of our kind of closest people at the wedding are also wearing white. Lovely. So we'll basically have a band of probably around 20, 22 people who will be in white, but in whatever design they want. And if a guest wants to wear white, would that be encouraged or discouraged? If a guest, the yeah, guest can wear whatever. Oh, I'm cool. sort of. I was thinking of just wearing my wedding dress to yours. Is that, is that all right? <laughs> yeah, okay. cool. Cool, cool. That cool. way you get two outings. Exactly. More You're than basically one half use. the price of it, haven't <laughs> You? cost per wear <laughs> the purpose of other people wearing white is to try and make me feel less like the center yeah. of attention what i'm nervous about is feeling like a bride that's interesting let's let's break that down mm. why don't you want to feel like what do you mean by that why don't you want to feel like a bride because also Hetz, you we have known you since we were very small and <laughs> you have never sort of been a shy person so what is it about that that feels yeah. so mm. alien yeah, I think there's a there's a lot to unpack. We've already discussed the fact that I have fundamental and quite visceral issues with weddings as a whole. Mm. I love that you use the word visceral and it's <laughs> so good. <laughs> and I think that the bride in many respects sort of epitomizes the difficulties, the inherent difficulties with a traditional wedding ceremony. You mean like the look of the bride? The look of the bride, and you're mm. right to say that I'm not shy. I would be very happy and I'm very confident speaking in front of lots of people and leading meetings. Mm. But there is something about the gaze on the wedding day being turned to the bride and the attention being wholly ascribed to what the bride looks like. Sort of the mm. seen and not heard. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And it's also the power dynamic that's sort of implicit in the focus of attention on the female attractiveness and the comparative absence of attention on the male attractiveness, Mm. which buys into a lot of social pressures that we generally, women, feel a lot more than men when it comes to our value being attributable to what we look like. And literally, marriages were about attributing actual monetary value to what you thought your daughter could offer from a social perspective, from a socioeconomic standpoint. Mm. And... A lot of people can detach themselves from that image, from that history. But unfortunately, I struggle with it. And I also struggle with it because as much as we are seeing more brides um, doing it differently, wearing different things, Mm -hmm. what hasn't really, I think, happened is a real kind of revolution in the bride. And still, we, we still see a lot of mainstream imagery which has at its very center a bride being synonymous with thin a bride being synonymous with the perfectly curled hair and the tiny waist meek yeah exactly coiffured and I think as a result until we are able to see more socialized images of different forms and looks of brides as well as different language to describe the bride and the role of the bride on the wedding day, 
I don't think that we fully reclaimed the word bride yet. I don't think we got there. I think there's a long way to go. You know what, Hetz? I think it's like, I can't remember the name of it now, but is there a blog called something like Rock and Roll Bride? There's yeah. there's some blog I'm aware of. There is, yeah. It sort of speaks to some of the stuff that I'm seeing in my industry with racial diversity, that there's a real push to make theatre not so white. Mm. But as a result, it's like it's always a news item when it's a... Uh, an all-black cast Mm -hmm. or a news item where someone of Indian descent is playing Hamlet or whatever it is. And you go, whilst it's still a news item, we're not there. (laughs) And it's the same with this bridal thing. It's like whilst a whole blog has to be dedicated to brides who have tattoos, then we've got a problem. Yeah, I think think that's a, a completely fair analogy. And what's frustrating about it, and I think it's worth spending some time now discussing it is that it does I think in particular the the bridal image is a very toxic one from the perspective of carrying loadings as to what body size and body image mm. you are expected to have on your wedding day. So mm. there's huge as everyone knows there's huge diet culture around weddings again a bit for men but more so for women Definitely. and there is this impetus that people feel that as soon as they've got the ring on as soon as they've got the engagement ring on that that's when their diet plan needs to kick in and I think that is really damaging because troubling yeah and and it's not not only is it odd from the perspective of that the whole essence of a wedding is about committing yourself to someone that loves you and you love Mm. they love you they love you and you in your current form as you are i'm still seeing and being served headlines like oh how this bride managed to lose 10 pounds for her big day and you're sort of like and it's so embedded that even though i feel quite mindful of this sort of weird lose weight walk around trussed up and uncomfortable and silent just looking like a glowing virgin (laughs) despite knowing that sort of nonetheless like I said that other episode one of the first things that popped into my head when I knew that I was moving the wedding back a year and a half was that thing about oh well I'm gonna look that much more aged and wrinkly around the edges and like what but and I was quite horrified and quite shocked by that because for that to be one of the first things pop into my head wowzers it's so ingrained Mm. and I think as a result especially when we put marriage and we've discussed this also in previous episodes but when we put marriage on a pedestal Mm. and we allow it to take center stage when it comes to people imagining their life hurdles if you do that and then also don't really diversify the way that we talk about and the way that our brides look Mm. you're basically there's the huge swathes of people who are ingrained to feel like they want to get married, but then also ingrained to feel really shit about themselves because they don't look like a bride. And it's the classic problem in the rest of the world, really, but what we see in magazines as a general rule is not indicative of just what a normal body looks like for the majority of people. Mm. And weddings are effectively the, like, hyper-extreme version of that. It is. In a wedding, all of those little issues that exist in society anyway are just they're like amplified and highlighted 10 times because as a bride your center of attention Mm. yes you have all those feelings yes you have all that inherited guilt that come from looking at glossy magazines where these women look wholly different from or at least they look wholly different from what I look like Um, and then you'll put under a magnifying glass and everyone's looking at you Mm. you know that is something that it does it does resonate badly with me not just from no, if I'm being really honest about it, not just from a conceptual basis, and I do have real issues academically about that, mm. 
but also from a personal lived mm. experience. You know, I'm just to be completely upfront. We've talked a bit on previous episodes about the fact that I've got big booze, but I've also got a tummy. And you know, I'm I'm probably high street size sixteen. Can even wear size eighteen depending on the cut mm. and and depending where I'm buying from. And as a result, uh, my body does just not fit into the traditional gowns that you see. Basically, the only type of gown that my body would probably comfortably fit into are the ones which have those big corsets and the bustiers. And quite <laughs> frankly, I don't want my boobs spilling out in front of all Wait, my friends what? and family. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> no. <laughs> and I'm very good and I have trained myself to be very kind generally to my body and to be grateful for it. Mm. And I found a way of dressing and a way of looking that makes me comfortable and that makes me feel cool yeah. and that makes me feel sexy and sassy. Bravo. Um, but... I have to say the experience of buying even on my alternative websites and we'll go into mm. you know how I went about choosing something to wear I still found the process of receiving these dresses and most of the time putting them on and going what mm. <laughs> it was wholly triggering for me That's and really I haven't engaged I think is I haven't had such an intimate conversation with myself around my body image and around mm. my body confidence for as years, you have with this. until with exactly until this it just makes you feel crap because as much as we would like to have different images of brides and as much as we know with absolute certainty that we're loved and we are grateful for our bodies and the person who is proposed to us loves and is grateful for our bodies and as much as you can get cross that the groom's not under the same amount of pressure and the iniquity in it is so frustrating it doesn't stop you unfortunately from feeling those feelings because we are a product of what we see yeah. and we're a product of what we hear and to be fair I think it comes back to what you said about being the center of attention as well for a lot of people this day is maybe one of the only days they really are the center of attention in front of that larger group of people mm. so it makes this day just like a sort of obviously a day that should be so joyful it does make the lead up sometimes a crucible for just mass insecurity complete panic over whether you will live up to the image you always dreamed of uh, yeah um, so I do think that's a major problem as well you've got this real problem that you've got this big thing that everybody has aspirations to do but which actually isn't inclusive of a lot of people mm. I think the kind of crossness that I feel about marriage even though I want to do it with Jacob and even though I'm really excited about how we've curated our day and even though like you say when you attend other people's weddings you thoroughly enjoy the day I, and I, yeah I'm a, I'm a bag of contradictions I cry <laughs> I cry I literally find all? it such an emotional experience I'm you know it, it, there is something incredibly raw and beautiful about people expressing their love for one another mm. but at the same instance I just feel like I want it to be different and it's not there yet. A little bit like when you work for private organizations that are trying to improve their DNI statistics. And I work a lot with my law firm on our gender parity committee to try and improve our statistics and trying to create a more inclusive culture and environment. Hmm. It's difficult sometimes when you aren't at the end product and you're not working for a company that's already there yeah to not go well let's go work for one that is or let's or not, let's you know this is a frustrating process I don't you know I want to opt out but actually I think there's real power in being a part of those conversations and helping from inside trying to make change yeah and almost in the same sort of way I feel like there is some power in getting married and in having a wedding day absolutely because I 
I can do it differently and I can contribute to the changing face of it. And one of the things that I find the most powerful motivating factor is the fact that Jacob and I will be marrying in a totally different looking way and my nieces and nephews will be front row and they'll be hopefully absorbing one of their first wedding experiences and it being not conformist to the traditional wedding model. That's very powerful, yeah. So, Hetz, how did you end up finding an outfit that made you feel comfortable as a bride? Uh, We did a lot of looking around. It's really, really hard to try and find dresses that don't necessarily fit the mold exactly the the kind of of traditional bridal looks. And the ones that don't prescribe go very bohemian Mm. very quickly which is also not quite my aesthetic either. Mm. I only did one bridal fitting and I just found that process deeply uncomfortable. Can I dive in just briefly there? Because I think in that respect, I was exactly the same. Mm. And I've been to one fitting. And I think it's because you're expected to behave a certain way. This was a bridal designer called Philippa Lepley. She's apparently amazing. And the dresses were stunning pieces of clothing, you know, without a doubt. I felt like I put them on and what the woman who was helping us was expecting from me was tears. I could feel what was expected, what performance I was meant to be putting on yeah. at this moment of putting on these dresses. And actually, I just felt like I was a little child playing dress up all the time. Yeah, there's something about it that doesn't feel particularly real mm. as well. You know, it, as you say, I, there is an element, not of play acting, because... I think probably lots of people do go into that environment and it's... Genuinely overwhelmingly wonderful. And it, yeah, yeah and, and that it's a summation of them having thought about it for years and wanting that experience. I did, had that first experience and it wasn't even a proper fitting. Mm. I, and I was like, look, this is just really isn't for me. Mm. So Hetz, how did you end up finding an outfit that made you feel comfortable? You know, Instagram's been quite useful. I found that you can kind of tap into designers mm. that are less sort of less high street. They're, I guess, a bit more alternative to the main kind of bridal yeah, outlets. Yeah, Instagram is definitely, the cookies have been clever. <laughs> the cookies are definitely throwing me pictures of the kind of stuff that make me fluttery. Yeah, so that's that's been quite useful. But actually, ultimately, I ended up buying a dress off Matches Fashion. So I also just basically try to look very regularly on the Net-A-Porter and the Matches Fashion mm. bridal collections, or even most of the time I just search for white dresses. So it was around January time where they were getting a lot of new stuff in. And again, I sort of decided by that stage I wanted it to be short I wanted it to be like a bit of structure but not too much structure I want to be comfortable on the day but it would be nice if it had a bit of an element that made it feel a bit perhaps a I have so many white dresses because I do love wearing white dresses on holidays. So something about it made it a little bit special. Mm. And what we, what I ended up getting with a little help from a most fabulous friend who has been amazing through this whole outfit process, who both knows me well enough to know not to push me, but also knows me well enough as to when she needs to push me. And she ends up saying to me, look, I really think you should go for this Christopher Kane dress. And he's like a cool designer. It was, I mean, still expensive, by far the most expensive thing in my wardrobe, but that's yeah. Yeah. by wedding dress standards like nothing even close to what you think most people would probably spend on their dress and it's yeah it basically is a bit Elton Johnny that's that's oh, what I keep wow. describing it as it has <laughs> it has sort of the the look of an Elton John jacket about it it's not a jacket but it is a very big shouldered dress and then the winning feature of it is that it has ostrich feathers going down both sleeves oh! <laughs> 
This is fabulous. You've smashed it. You've smashed it. I just love it. I was looking at it and uh, my friend was going, you just need to try it on. I was like, but it's so, it's so extra. And how is the, how do I align the fact that I don't want to be the center of attention. I want everyone to wear white with also being like, yeah, but this is also a bit of me. Anyway, we ended up buying it and trying it on and it is great I mean the feathers are so wonderful yeah the co- that is absolutely the common theme whether you are one of these people who who wants to go for the huge big princess gown or mm. somebody who wants to find something a little bit more kooky and modern the common theme is it's something that you feel great in and sort of amplifies yeah, that's yourself it. and your personality and I was in a very similar space actually where normally in sort of normal spaces normal environments outside of the wedding circus I love a loud color and a big pattern and I have no problem with that drawing people's gaze and people's attention because I think that there are scenarios in which drawing the gaze of others can be very empowering and doesn't Mm -hmm. just have to signify objectification when I wear loud clothes or sort of big clothes it makes me feel much more myself because I feel like I've got to fill those clothes with character in order to sort of carry (laughs) them off a little bit so no I was gonna say I actually really agree with that I'm my dress sense is typically pretty loud Mm. and I would say at work as well I don't dress massively like a lawyer and I've had people make comments about that and as a result I actually think there was a part of me that worried about how do I put that personality Mm. into a very traditional image the thing is a wedding inherently is a day where you do dress loudly whatever that is for each different person and I think certainly for me I don't know whether it's being an actress and costumes on stage or something Mm. and press nights and having nights to dress up I don't know I feel like I dress up a lot and I'm a girl who tends to wander around in leggings and converse so Mm. I love dressing up but I associate dressing up I associate putting a pair of heels on with this is an exciting Mm. different and it is a special day a special event so of course it deserves a special outfit why not yeah almost my Mm. question was how do I make the costume in inverted commas on that day feel more special than the costumes I have worn at other times in my life. That's so interesting. Yeah. I mean, as I think we've touched on before, I don't mind being the centre of attention, but <laughs> I um, I want to be the centre of attention in a whole different way. It's like, how can mm. I feel special and good in myself and excited in terms of what I wear in a way that's different from other times where I've dressed up and felt nice? Yeah. I think it's that's really interesting because I think the nub of mine is how can I feel like myself... How can I represent myself in an authentic way in a wedding setting whilst not feeling like I look and feel too much like a bride? Yeah. And I think it's just because I have these issues. But then I also am getting married and I also do want to put my personality into it. So it's just a bit of a shitstorm, isn't it? I totally agree. Yeah. And I actually don't think I realised until verbalising it now that I am, I I do find it all really difficult to reconcile. Yeah. I think where, where my balance is, is I don't want to feel like I'm performing because of my outfit. Yeah. What I do want to feel is amplified and more myself and strong and able to have fun I don't want to be special and celebratory and special I mean every year every birthday for the last few years I buy myself a birthday present of an outfit that actually and I've only started doing this recently but I quite like it I buy an outfit that I think is too loud for me to carry off and (laughs) you're literally my within a few months it feels like any other dress 
any other jumpsuit, any other top in my wardrobe because yeah. it's sort of sort of normalized. And it's, it feels, saying out loud, like a slightly ridiculous challenge to myself. I think it's but great. But it's a bit of a confidence giver. And I think I've seen the wedding dresses much the same thing. I, similar to Hetty, I've sort of known what doesn't feel quite right. I have gone to a few wedding dress shops and it's so easy for me anyway to get swayed and sucked into that world. And all of a sudden you're looking at dresses that are a grand and a half, but oh, well, it's at the cheaper end because most of their dresses are three grand. So make it, this is a bargain. Oh, a grand and a half. One of the ones I tried on in that thing came to £17,000. <gasps> so, you know. But, yeah. you know, you're <laughs> so quickly it becomes relative and I think one of my principles early on was I don't mind shelling out a little bit more because it is a special day I want to feel special I want to feel rad I want to feel great in what I'm wearing Mm -hmm. but within reason regardless I don't want to be spending huge amounts of money my sweet spot would be spending more money than I normally would on something that makes me feel pretty special Mm. with something that I can do something to to wear it again so whether that's shortening the hem, dyeing it a different color, mm. so I can sort of make up its use. So in the context then of your thought process, I loved your expression that it, you want to just feel amplified on the day mm-hmm. and that it is you in that moment feeling really good, better, enhanced. But then do you feel any conflict with then the actual image of the bride itself? So are you is that amplification in any way limited by an image of what you ought to be wearing or what you should be wearing? Great question. I think I have doubtless felt pressure to a greater or lesser degree to ascribe to a certain aesthetic that other people expect me to be wearing. Yeah. So early on, I I was sort of like, well, maybe not even white at all, maybe gold, maybe silver, you know, maybe something something shiny I love the idea of something shiny yeah and I found this drape dress uh dress I found this drape dress in a sale (laughs) I looked at it and I was like oh I'd feel like Cleopatra in that that'd be marvelous and I made the mistake of and I say it's a mistake because I send it to somebody not for their honest response but for validation (laughs) I sent the dress to somebody saying I think this would be great what do you think what they said was I didn't realise that your wedding would be sort of 70s diva themed. Ooh, which ouch. was fair because it was a wild dress. It was like stripes of gold yeah. and green and sequins everywhere. But it did get me thinking, how far can I push this? Because whether we like it or not, as we've covered in other episodes, weddings are rife with other people's judgments. Mm-hmm. I want to be in a position where I feel great, but I do, of course, want other people to think I look great too. So where are you now in terms of the actual dress buying process and how are, you know, in terms of the look of it, how is it sort of an amplified version of you? I did end up going to one wedding shop and sort of booking in and I just went by myself because I didn't want Mm. all the faff and the pomp of dragging everyone else with me and looking for them to say, oh, it looks so lovely and all that. I didn't want it. I just wanted it to be quiet and like I normally do shopping, which is by myself. I actually went there deliberately for a specific designer who... It was like what you were saying earlier, Hetz. I was Mm, mm. at one stage looking at modern Mm. wedding dresses. Yeah. And I didn't actually mind the, well, there's a a line, obviously, but it does go boho very quickly. It does, does one dress that was fabulous. It was (laughs) total me. It was huge. It was white, but huge patterns all over it was just wicked when I looked at it I felt powerful and I was like that is a thing I've got to have 
And I actually went to try it on. Yeah. And actually, it was a very worthwhile exercise because I went on down. I tried this thing on. And um, for those that don't know me, I'm a very short and stubby lady. And it was a lot of dress <laughs> for a short person. And mm. it didn't suit me at all, actually. Mm. And when I was there, I found another dress that was much simpler, much more straightforward. That was great. And w- was I willing to part with the grand and half a dress that can only be worn for one day. That was absolutely the dress, but I'm not. So what mm. I took it as was partly wish I hadn't found the other dress that I really like, <laughs> but mm-hmm. also kind of a good lesson in sort of what suits me and what yeah. doesn't. This is what my mum says all. So my mother has recently become a worrying addict of say yes to the dress. <laughs> It's like her guilty pleasure for just being on in the background when she's trying to do other work. And what she continually says to me is that you've just got to go and try stuff on because you have no idea until you do what's actually going to suit you and stuff that you've always lusted after might not work and something that you've never considered might look really great. I actually always had Mm. a bit of an ish with Say Yes to the Dress Mm. because... I'm a fool and I've never watched it and I was just making a judgment based on superficially what I thought it was, which is celebrating the pageantry of performance. However, I read a thing the other day, you know, Deborah Francis White of The Guilty Feminist? Yeah. Deborah, in her book, said a thing which actually, I'm not sure if I'm entirely convinced by, but I did appreciate the different spin on it. And she said, I'm watching women be central to proceedings and demand perfection without apology. Ooh. And I was like, well, actually, that's interesting, isn't it? That there's no men involved, really, whatsoever. It's just a woman making her choice about a thing. I agree, you know, I agree. Mm. Might I introduce the evening outfit? Let's talk about that, because no matter what, we're still investing a few hundred pounds, if not more, Mm. in uh, our day outfits. Why switch in the evening? So for me, the idea had been that I know I'm a bit of a lunatic on the dance (laughs) 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 and I know that ultimately I want to wear something in the day that probably isn't conducive to dancing it's sort of there are two things I want from the day and I want to feel formal and special and snazzy and glitzy during the day but I also know that I want to be able to really let my hair down so I think that for me is the important thing about changing is genuinely having an outfit that appeals to the two different sides of me that I'm going to want to feel on the day I like that at my friend Emily's wedding who I mentioned in the last episode Becca was at the evening do of that and it was quite a Larry joyful event with mucho I mean, dancing yeah. and you saw people um, slumped through hedges on the way out it was fantastic it was it's exactly <laughs> what you wanted from a wedding party <laughs> perfect I was a bridesmaid and interestingly like you Hetty she had all her bridesmaids in white mm. and I bought myself some very lovely heels to go with it but that were quite uncomfortable so immediately in my mind I was like well I'll wear the heels during the day and as soon as we get to the marquee I'll slip into something more comfortable. And I had some really cheap white espadrilles. The joy I got from being in comfortable shoes for the evening of the wedding was unparalleled. And I think there's a photo of me like leaping through the air outside the marquee. (laughs) It brought me so much joy that that made me think certainly as a bride, I love wearing heels. As I mentioned earlier, heels make me feel very special. They make me feel like it's a special event, feel very nice and sexy, but there is no way I'm going to be in heels past a certain hour in the day. And I definitely (laughs) know I want some flashing light sneakers or, you know, espadrilles or something. I don't know where I net out on this because I do not enjoy wearing heels at all. But at work 
and in evenings I always wear heels for one reason really and that's because I'm short and I honestly feel like when I wear heels I hold myself differently I take up more space in the room I'm closer to mm, I'm, I'm, I'm closer nowhere near still but I'm closer to people's eye line so I feel like mm. they notice me more are we all that small I feel like I'm the same height as you guys what are we I'm a uh, a giant five foot two and three quarters. I'm a five foot three. I'm five oh, foot I three. I see you as much taller. I'm the tallest. I'm five foot five. I thought I was five foot two. And then I went to the doctor a few years ago and I remember they were, they measured me and they were like, and you're five foot three. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <gasps> so, and I literally walked out being like, the world looks so different from up here. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm five foot three. I never it's knew. True. Sometimes I stand on a chair to see what Ben can see. And he, he just has a totally different world experience than I do. He sees so many different things. <laughs> People use me as an armrest. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the difference between five foot five and five foot two. <laughs> yeah. But I completely agree about the heels. And I'm sure if we end up doing a season on work, we will we can discuss work Absolutely. attire, for example. Absolutely. Because lots of things that I try to do which are in keeping with, you know, my general thought belief system. And I would love to not wear heels and I would love to not ever wear any makeup. But we can't really escape the fact that we have been programmed the way that we are. And we, of course, we can take active steps to try and rebalance and to try and create, you know, be better working examples for people coming up underneath us. Mm. There are ways of doing that. But then there are also bits of how we are socially programmed that are that are resident in you. And and because they're resident in you, I get a real kick out of wearing heels. And, and of mm. course, of course, it's ridiculous that we equate height with power. But nonetheless, it does work. And it does give you that a kind of artificial boost of confidence mm. when you feel like you've lifted yourself up an inch or two. So no, I, I sort of feel like I probably will. And But I'm with you, Becca, in terms of and loose, like there's no way they're staying on for long. But I think for the initial part of giving you that confidence to go out there in front of albeit your loved ones but still confidence to go out there and do that and to tell everyone how much you love someone which is you know incredibly personal I think I will probably need my couple of extra inches to give me the confidence to do it um (laughs) but then they will be kicked off and I will be wearing sneakers yeah so Luce where are you with all of this do you have any sense of what all I know is that I know that I would like to feel sexy on my wedding day. That's interesting. Mm. That is not a word that I would typically equate with You myself. are hella sexy. You are hella sexy, but you, you don't, like, that isn't, I know exactly what, I, yes. <laughs> because I've got quite big boobs, I think as a kid, as a teenager, you know, I was a, quite a sort of sweet, innocent yeah. little teenager. Yeah. And my body was so at odds with my personality that I used to almost resent it. Yeah. I hated that effectively I had a body that was quite hypersexualized in terms of its image. Like I was relatively slim and I had big boobs. And that didn't sit with who I mm. was. And almost I couldn't take advantage of it, if that mm. makes sense. Like I didn't I didn't like wearing low-cut tops. I didn't I will do everything to wear baggy tops to cover up my boobs. And obviously, as with all things like that, you only end up showing them off more, mm. you know, looking mm. <laughs> even more top heavy or whatever it is. And honestly, it's a part of myself that I've only really embraced like in the last two or three years. Mm. When I turned 30. I had like a transformation. There was something in that, that it was a really wonderful year for me. A lot of good things happened. And when I turned 30, I feel like I landed in a sudden acceptance of not only myself, like I'm a relatively self-confident person anyway, but certainly of like my 
power and my sexuality was a thing that like suddenly sat easy. It's like all the cliches you hear from people that are like, oh, it's great turning 30, or it's great turning 40, or it's great turning 50, that actually almost as a woman with every decade, there is a world where you just get more confident mm. in yourself and more, I don't give a shit what someone else mm. thinks. And that is so the way I felt. Yep. Also, never underestimate the power of a good bra. Amen. Can I say? Because I think just before turning 30, I bought a bra. You don't get nice bras as yeah, a big boot. It can be really hard, yeah. They're often, they're structural. They don't make you feel good. They're just structural. Pieces of engineering, as Jacob sometimes calls them. I never thought yes. about this. <laughs> they're pieces of engineering. Oh and I remember trying on a jumpsuit and I was wearing this bra and suddenly the jumpsuit worked. And I remember just after my 30th birthday, I attended the American Idol finale. Long story. And I wore this jumpsuit and I was like, I've arrived. <laughs> I felt the most at ease with myself, the most comfortable, and I felt the most sexy I'd felt probably ever. What a lovely in my moment life. in time to see That's so clearly. Amazing, yeah. And so I think it's something that like I've got more of a handle on. And having a wonderful man who loves me and thinks I'm awesome obviously helps as well. You know, I'm very happy to have been single for such a large part of my adult life. I liked being an independent woman, but also you can't underestimate the power and the strength that comes from having someone in your life who thinks you are gorgeous. When it comes to wedding dresses, the idea of feeling powerful and sexy is interesting because you'd think on the face of it that the traditional flounce of the wedding dress might be in direct opposition of that. However, you look at the wedding dresses today and obviously it is still fashion, it is still attire, but it is incredibly naked. There are arms and backs and huge dropping so necklines that, that you would never normally even consider wearing. <laughs> to the point where some yeah. of the wedding dresses I tried on were basically sheer. Underwear with a coating. And I was like, sorry, where, where's the lining? And they were like, oh, well, the lining's optional. And I was like, sorry, what do you mean the lining's optional? I'm not going to walk down topless <laughs> apart from some applique lace. <laughs> what on earth are you talking about? And it's dazzling to me. But As long as the nipples are covered, it's fine, Becca. Well, for, well great. Look forward to seeing my attire because I'm shoulder pads and nothing else. <laughs> That's what I settled on. The ultimate power dressing. I will force you to look at my body in a way that you really will not be able to objectify it. Just be horrified by what's happening. Nudity aside, yeah. style-wise, I am drawn to either dresses that are totally plain. Yeah. No frills, no lace, no embellishments. Or the opposite. So everything that you guys were talking about loud, you know, I'm drawn to stuff that has quite a big, thick lace that is almost like a pattern in itself or is something that is stripy. Yeah. I am very open to the idea of colour. One of my best friends, Ellie, Ellie had picked a dress and I was the only girl who didn't have long nails. So I got the privilege of putting her in the dress because nobody else could actually um, <laughs> do the pernickety bit. So she brought me upstairs on the morning of the wedding. And when she pulled it out of the wardrobe, I burst out laughing and with joy because it was this beautiful sort of traditional shape, you know, long wedding dress, corset top with these huge poppies, Aww. these massive like flowers, sort of about four or five huge poppies on the bottom. And that felt so mm. right for her that there would be this really bold splash of colour. And ever since that, really, I felt the same. I'm like, God, I'd love a bit of colour. But I mm. also do, there are a lot of the traditions that I do like. And I love the idea that it's a white dress and I want to have a white dress. So if there is some colour, 
you know, I'd be excited to find something that is colour on a white dress. Everyone looks great in white as well. I mean, something that I found, and I think this conversation has made me think about it again, is that we do talk about this empowering language. Mm. I guess that needs to happen for the man as well, right? And I think, how do we find ways to make sure that our partners are also getting the benefit of that? So with Jacob and I, we we did try on quite a few outfits and I was quite keen to make him really feel like this was a fun process of finding him a really nice suit. But I did really want him to sort of feel that this was, you know, an opportunity for him to buy an outfit that he absolutely loves that's special. Mm. And I think he really wanted that too. He was sort of biting at the bit to to kind of have those conversations. And he was so excited when the outfits arrived. Uh, and I think more and more you are seeing men get into the outfit side of it, right? And I think it's important that when we have these conversations about our, um, you know, our external appearance and it, and it wanting to be a reflection of our internal feelings, that we make sure that we're having those exact same conversations with the men or the women, you know, the partners in our lives for whom we're getting, you know, to whom we're getting married. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Has Ben said anything, Becca, about what he wants to wear? Sort of, and kind of not dissimilar in that he's been getting quite excited about it, but also he did get excited just by... I think more the the feeling of what he was going to wear would give him. So he knew that he didn't want mm. something really, really formal, tails and top hat and all of that. I mean, actually, exactly mirrors what we we're talking about. He wanted to splash out on something that felt a little bit nice that would just make him feel relaxed but rad mm. in whatever form that may take. Yeah. Had he mentioned earlier something about when do you reveal the look to people and that whole tradition of, you know, should the groom not see your look before the day um and who else knows so how what were your guys feelings on that as it stands I haven't shown Ben the dress Mm -hmm. and I don't think I will I don't really know why because we live together he sees what I wear every day there was no one better at when I buy something new or I'm considering buying something there was no one better at telling me straight this thing about it works, this thing definitely doesn't. (laughs) So I felt quite sort of stranded, not being able to get a balanced judgment from someone sort of I love and respect and I know would say things kindly. (laughs) So that's been really, really weird. But I think think I'm not showing him, not because of the tradition, but because if I think that I look good, I want to see his reaction on the day when I'm looking my absolute best in it. I want to see him in that moment react to it. Yeah. Randomly, I won an amazing, lucky competition the other day where I ended up getting a, um, getting sent a sample wedding dress. Oh my and God. I know. And the thing is beautiful. And even though almost immediately I was like, while this is clearly a fabulous dress and at the sort of budget that I wouldn't even consider mm. spending, because mm. part of me was like, well, maybe I should wear it just because of that. What an amazing thing. But very quickly I was sort of like, it doesn't feel like me, so it sort of defeats the object. Even now, I haven't even shown him that dress. However, when I was trying on other dresses, so ordering things from sort of Assos and other places, I did, if I knew they were a definite no, but there was an aspect of them that I thought was maybe interesting mm. and wanted to bounce off him, then I did, I did sort of waltz around the flat in those outfits. I'm going to come around and try on that dress, Becca. <laughs> Genuinely, actually, actually, that's not I actually think I'm going to make a habit of going around and trying on my friends' dresses. That's, I love Come, that. because I, I can offer you two things: <laughs> traditional, modern, traditional, and modern, modern. If you hem it, you could wear it to work. Will my nipples be on show? I hope so. <laughs> if they're not, she's not interested. Exactly. Sexy is the look. Exactly. Remember exactly. Hetz, what about your dress reveal? From my perspective. 
I didn't really even think about not showing Jacob. I'm going to be so nervous on the day because there is so much about this process that is me, you know, taking a bit of a, a leap that we're going to we're going to do it all right mm. and to try trying to get me comfortable in this process has been a bit of an ordeal basically and I think I'm going to be really nervous on the yeah. day and I think you know we're not I'm not walking down an aisle we're walking out together and as a result we will be there with each other beforehand anyway mm. and again we were talking to the photographer and the photographer was like well you have to at least if you're not having that moment of the aisle you have to get dressed you know you have to get dressed separately so at least I can capture you having that first moment of seeing each other and I was like no I really think I'm just going to be a ball and I'm just going to want to get changed with Jacob like yeah. I, th- I think that's really what I want and there's so much that's going to feel special and personal and raw that uh, then I think that's you know that's the thing that's going to get me there and it's going to make me feel like I've had a moment to breathe before mm. we go out and we go and do these things and have this little faux ceremony that we've we've created yeah. I've just had a thought listening to you which I've not really thought before so I don't know if what I'm about to say is how I really feel or just sort of a reaction but In a weird way, I quite like the idea of suddenly feeling almost exposed without my partner in crime to support me and in that moment sort of give me that confidence and also tell me that I look wonderful. If I do walk down the aisle or however we then meet each other for the ceremony, Mm. seeing him there in that moment, I suddenly visualized as a, oh, there he is. There's my safety. There's my partner in crime. Mm. Because, I mean, we are in each other's pockets, especially over lockdown. Obviously, we live together. We've not been away from each other for more than a few hours, mm. let alone overnight. So I often almost forget that here's another, not in a gross romantic way, but just because we're around each other the whole time, I often forget that he's another person. <laughs> and it's such a rare thing to not be together. I almost quite like the idea of suddenly not having in there and how incredibly strange and alien that feeling would be and then having the reassurance of him being there. I don't know. Mm, Yeah, that's interesting. Fabulous people. Have we we discussed dresses more than we ever thought we'd discuss wedding dresses? Yes. We really have. (laughs) This whole notion and whole area was really brought home to me the other day when I was sort of thinking around it thinking about the experiences with my friends and I realized that there is a good number of my friends who have got married who during the wedding planning process have ended up entering into therapy as a direct result of this notion of sort of being the center Mm. of attention and kind of forcing yourself to fit into a certain place in quite a pre-prescribed way and now Jesus mm. proactively taking care of your mental health absolutely is a very very good thing that I support however going through this and feeling like such a magnifying glass is being put on you to the point that women to a disproportionate degree are entering into therapy support feels like something is very broken and something is very wrong. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. It's a little bit what I was saying earlier about reclamation. Yeah. There is scope, there is hope that we can reclaim the word bride. But I want to reclaim it in a way that's inclusive. Yeah. Inclusive of more people. And I think if it's inclusive of more people, you're going to help solve these issues where people aren't shoehorning themselves into dresses or roles that don't feel authentic or reflective of themselves or their thought beliefs. There's, I mean, I wonder whether we can reclaim the word or whether the word is so far gone because it's so associated with the petticoats yeah. and blushing 
cheeks that maybe it is you know the wife elect <laughs> the marriage <laughs> I, I was talking I was talking with my one of my best friends uh, last weekend about this and I said well do we have to be bride and groom can't we not just be partner one and partner exactly. two and I'm like, with you that's shit <laughs> as with so many of the things we're talking about it's so thorny and yeah. we mentioned it with heels and stuff like that but we can't take away from the fact that society and history has made us actively want those things but I, but I also think we shouldn't be taught to want something that is unhealthy for us right very true and if it's unhealthy for us because it's sort of reinforcing body ideals that we've struggled with with all for for most of our and I know men do too but for most of our female existence if it's taught to be aspirational for us to go through a process that actually isn't very good for our mental health I, I get what you're saying Luce it's mm. sort of you know it's um it's a dangers of consumerism where do you start teaching the other lessons yeah here burn it to the ground and rebuild it <laughs> right here right now on the thing about that <laughs> if you have enjoyed our musings and like being a part of our bird flipping community please hit the subscribe button and leave us a five star rating or even better a review as that helps people know that we exist but most importantly please follow us on our social media platforms instagram and twitter on ttat underscore podcast and let us know what you'd like us to discuss in this series on the topic of weddings or in any other series. And finally, thank you to our listeners and of course to Tristan Kay who has composed our wonderful theme music. Mm-hmm.